Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This is Ion Veterans Weekend, a roundup of the week's most important stories affecting those who served. Presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. There are nearly 20 million million military military veterans veterans in the U.S. Each week, we focus on their stories. Powered by ConnectingVets.com. This, this is CBS Eye on Veterans. Eye on Veterans. Welcome to another edition of CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. This hour, we'll hear Jill Gonzalez from WalletHub.com explain who made the cut for the most patriotic states in America. This is a very different year for everyone in the country. We wanted to see what else is going on. We looked at both military engagement and civic engagement across the country, just in terms of of where the patriotism is. And we'll hear the incredible story of an Army veteran wounded in Afghanistan and the healing power of the California surf. Just said, go, and so I just paddled as hard as I could, and I feel like it was a good-sized wave, too. I mean, I leaned forward, and I dropped. You can feel the hope in people's lives because they're having these tiny little shifts in perception. Now, as we begin this hour, we're going to take a look again at what's been making news and that affects the military and the veteran community. And uh, the source I always turn to each and every week when I want to find out what's really going on is ConnectingVets.com, Capitol Hill reporter Abby Bennett. Abby, how are you? I'm fantastic, Phil. How are you? Really good. Really good. And uh, as we both saw this week, uh, some interesting goings on, again with the Washington Post and Wounded Warrior Project, who co-hosted an online forum talking about other veterans' issues. Now, last week, it was burn pits. Uh, What did we get into this week? So this week, it was still a little bit of toxic exposure talk, um, as well as talk about the VA and homeless veterans. 
So this week we had Senator Debbie Stabenow. She's a Democrat from Michigan, and she talked about some of the challenges veterans are facing during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, she talked about how we need increased testing at VA facilities and how she believes that uh, vet- veterans should never be at the back of any line. And we also had Representative Mark Green, a Republican from Tennessee, who is himself a cancer survivor, who talked about toxic exposures such as burn pits, um, along with some of the K2 veterans. And he talked about how we have to also get the Department of Defense to participate in this process and how the VA and the DOD, how important it is that those two massive federal agencies work together to make sure that while they're in service, troops get their exposures recorded in their health records. And then once they are in VA care, those issues are presumptive conditions that they can get the care they need for. And also during the forum, we heard from Catherine Monet, who is the CEO of the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans. And she talked about the effects of the pandemic on vets. Uh, For instance, you know, veterans who maybe were not homeless, but because of the pandemic and the financial stresses are now at risk of being homeless, or veterans who are already homeless who are really struggling during the pandemic because shelters are closing, they don't have access to hygiene or the ability to really social distance, and so they're at increased risk for COVID-19. And we also talked about how telehealth has been a big deal for the VA during the pandemic to reach veterans while hospitals have been really limiting the number of people in them to prevent the spread of the virus. So in addition to this Washington Post Live Forum, House lawmakers this week actually spoke with Veterans Affairs officials about telehealth and the pandemic. And one thing that they talked about a lot was, you know, telehealth is a great option but telehealth is only worse if the veterans have access to technology and to a good internet or broadband service. If you don't have a good enough internet connection, obviously doing a video call with your doctor would be really difficult. And if you're a homeless veteran, especially, or a veteran at risk of being homeless, you may not have access to internet or a computer or even a phone, and you almost certainly don't have access to a space that's quiet and private where you can have a doctor's appointment. Wow. So much to unpack there. And uh, we'll try to put a bow on each and every one real quick Uh, with respect to what you were just talking about, like ways that people that maybe have limited access to the quality technology that it takes to engage in telehealth. Were they talking about providing, I don't know, cell phone service to certain veterans that qualify on an income basis? Or were they talking about getting homeless veterans, um, some sort of technology that they could use? So VA does currently have a program where they are getting iPads to certain veterans who qualify under certain conditions. And we have written about that on ConnectingVets.com. But that was something that advocates from um, minority vets and from um, several VSOs brought up during the hearing, um, including a chief of a... um, Native tribe in Alaska, that was something that they brought up again and again is that, you know, we're facing these challenges, but we're not seeing VA provide that technology yet. And so for those advocates to 
bring that before lawmakers, I think we may see in the future a push for VA to provide more technology or maybe some hotspots and things for veterans who are truly in need of that kind of technology so that they can get their health care. Um, so we may see a push for that from lawmakers, and we may also see some funding for that with VA. Um, a few months ago, Congress gave VA almost $20 billion for pandemic response, and VA hasn't used the majority of that cash yet. So there may be uh, some push from lawmakers to get them to use some of that money for this purpose. Um, although about $2 billion of that $20 billion already was set aside for telehealth. So we may see that come in the future, but right now the advocates who spoke this week said they haven't really seen VA reach out with that kind of technology yet. Hmm. And I guess that's all the more interesting that uh, these forums are not only hosted by the Washington Post, but they're shared in part by Wounded Warrior Project. And uh, it goes without saying that they are always in the veteran's corner. If you are experiencing some kind of difficulty and you do need some help, your VSOs, American Legion, like Veterans of Foreign Wars, uh, Disabled American Veterans, Vietnam Veterans of America, and of course, Wounded Warrior Project. Uh, I throw AMVETS in there as well. Um, that's what these people do, and they are sometimes the next step it takes in order to get your situation with the VA resolved. And, uh, you know, they do good work. So I'm glad to hear that you're reporting on the intricacies of how this all will shake out when it comes to getting congressional funding. And I'm glad to see that there's people out there pushing for these needs to get met. Um, with respect to COVID, let's go back to where we started. Is it safe to say that veterans are faring okay when it comes to this whole virus, or are we disproportionately affected? So that's a really complicated question. Um, right now, VA is seeing an increase in the number of its patients who have active cases of the virus, which is a little concerning. Um, VA went to a low of about 1,000 active cases nationwide, and that number has more than doubled this month. Um, and that can be attributed to lots of different things. Um, it's kind of matching and increasing cases nationwide. Um, so it's not necessarily that veterans are particularly susceptible as far as that increase in active cases goes. But overall, we're seeing sort of similar trends nationwide as within the veteran community. Mm, okay. And you're right. That is kind of a complicated answer. I always try to keep my questions rather simple, but uh, it's certainly never simple when we look at uh, the repercussions and really impact that this COVID-19 era has had on our country. And I think uh, more than anything, it's probably safe to say that uh, especially if you're a veteran, uh, you have to be sure to take the proper steps. And that's lots of hand washing, hand sanitizer, wear your mask when uh, going to more crowded places as we begin to lift the restrictions. And uh, always know that, uh, of course, the VA uh, services can be found. Testing is available. And if you want to read more, you can read all about it from our Capitol Hill reporter, knower of all things, Abby Bennett. And her work can be found each and every week at ConnectingVets.com. Thank you very much, Abby. Thank you, Phil. Now stick around and we'll hear how one Army veteran is proving that a trip to the beach can heal everything when CBS Eye on Veterans returns.
Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, as summer kicks into gear, many of us find ourselves in search of a sunny beach somewhere for the annual family vacation. In fact, my own family enjoys beach trips every year along the Carolina coast. And every year I'm there, I remember a story I did about an incredible veteran named Caleb Brewer and how after his traumatic injuries, the only thing that could make this Special Forces veteran surrender was the California surf. In this next segment, we'll hear the podcast Vet Story and the episode Surf Surrender, where Caleb and special guest pro surfer Danny Nichols talk about his amazing journey. This time on Vet Story. Um, we were in Helmand Province, Afghanistan, clearing a, an IED facility, and so I went to step out of the shack to make the radio call, and that's when I ended up stepping on a pressure plate that was in the threshold. There's a couple things you realize, right? Surfers and military people think a lot alike. The, you yep. know, mission-oriented. I thought it was fake at first. I was like, there's no way in the world that there's this much happiness in one single spot. You can feel the healing. I just said, go, and so I just paddled as hard as I could, and I feel the like it was a good-sized wave, too. I mean, I leaned forward, and it dropped. You can feel the hope in people's lives because they're having these tiny little shifts in perception. What's up, and welcome to another Vet Story. I'm your host, Phil Briggs. Now, today we'll hear about the one thing that could make an Army Green Beret surrender. Now, I'll warn you, some of this audio is hard to hear. It's a little troubling. In fact, it'll make you want to quit your job and go directly to the nearest beach because we're talking about surfing. Now, to demonstrate the awesome power of Mother Nature, let's just start by comparing the sounds of my day so far. Each day starts in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Then I start my truck. Then the subway. Then the walk down the city streets to the office. By 9 a.m., I'm already hyper alert, starting to feel the stress of the city, work, news headlines, and work deadlines. Now compare all that to the beach. This is where our story today will take us. But we start years ago in Arizona. Uh, my name is Caleb Brewer. I'm a retired Army Sergeant First Class and served all over the place. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, tell me about yourself. Um, just tell me about where you grew up. What made you want to join the Army? Okay, so I was born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. Um, went to a college prep high school, you know, obviously getting you ready to go to college and started the University of Arizona 
as a mechanical engineering major. Very quickly found out that was not for me, nor was I mature enough and ready enough to go to college. So I ended up dropping out and kind of floated around for a couple of years doing odds and ends, different jobs here and there, and decided that I needed a little bit more in my life. So I had a buddy who was in the military and ended up joining the Army um, as an intelligence analyst, more along the lines of getting a security clearance and some good college education after the Army. But while I was there, I ran across a buddy that had this book called Get Selected for Special Forces, and the title just just drew me in right away. And so I started reading it and initially realized I made a huge mistake. That's what I should have done right out of the get-go. So a small group of friends and myself started training to go to selection. And when we got back from Iraq in 2009, transferred over to the 19th Special Forces Group and spent the next three years going through training. Um, Had to go through a selection process, airborne school, leadership school, um, a a smaller version of ranger school, learned to speak Indonesian, learned to work on satellite radios, and then graduated and earned the Green Beret in 2012. And then from that point on, it was game on. It was shooting schools, um, deployments around the world, training with different militaries, climbing mountains, doing all kinds of stuff, jumping on airplanes. It was awesome. Um, And then in 2015, um, we ended up going to Afghanistan at kind of an interesting time in the war because the war had just ended and there was a contingency operation. It was more of a handover, you know, the Afghan soldiers and the government were going to take charge and do everything. And uh, so we were there and ended up getting injured um, on a a due to ID explosion. And then I've been retired since uh, 2016, December, 2016. Green Beret, always interesting. It's a much more complex and much more diverse role. Um, I think of, you know, the spec op teams like the Navy's got SEALs. That is like a like a fist punch. We're inserting a team that's just like we need a targeted strike and we need a, an objective accomplished and it's 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 in and out and it's fast. Green Berets, that's more of like a long-term game, right? They insert you guys sometimes and you are to be establishing communications and developing a relationship and helping uh what's the standard term we hear? Advise, train and assist, right? Yeah. Oh, it's so ambiguous, but yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it is awesome. So we were kind of like the jack of all trades. We go in and we can, I mean, 12 guys are on one SF team and you can go in and advise up to a battalion's worth of partner force um, soldiers, which is pretty incredible. So I could be advising um, up to, you know, 50, 50 guys and training them how to do whatever specialty, whether it's communications, intelligence, weapons, um, medical stuff. And so you're like a quintessential force multiplier, which is awesome since you go into the environment, whether it's austere environment, whether it's a friendly environment, plan accordingly, and you use them, work through them, by, with, and through them to help them achieve their objectives and our objectives. It's uh, To me, there's nothing better, to be honest with you, because we can do almost everything. Wow. Now, it is not without its hazards. Talk to me about uh, the day you'll never forget, man. So, uh, December 4th, 2015, um, a.k.a. my 31st birthday, um, we were in Helmand Province, Afghanistan, clearing a, an IED facility, and um, I was leading a small group of commandos, and it was kind of close to dawn, and so usually what happens at that time is the Taliban starts fighting because they don't have typically night vision capabilities. So we had a little sense of urgency that we had to clear this place, and we couldn't leave it because the sun was coming up, and we 
found several booby traps where double stack mortars or um, artillery rounds linked to pressure plates. We had we cleared a couple of them because we had a dog handler and a dog. Also had an EOD guy. We also had a guy with a um, a local with a minesweeper, handheld minesweeper. So we cleared the majority of the the compound. Found a small shack that had um, not been cleared. And so I sent four Afghans, including my interpreter, to go check it out. As soon as they got in, they started yelling, you know, hey, hey, we found something. So I sent in the guy with the handheld minesweeper inside this little shack. And then I sent the bomb dog and his handler inside this little shack. And then at that point, I said, okay, you know, everything looks to be clear. Walked in and then looked on the corner. Um, and there's a little hole in what appeared to be homemade explosives, you know, some white powdery substance. Um, and I was like, okay, so this is probably the explosives we're looking for. So I went to step out of the shack to make the radio call, and that's when I ended up stepping on a pressure plate that was in the threshold that all six, um, eight of us really had missed. Um, and then at that point, explosion, um, saw the extent of the injuries, and very, very quickly my team came to my aid. I mean, within 30 seconds, which was pretty incredible, and um, started administering aid and called for a medevac helicopter and then at that point is when there started to be an active gunfight so my team had to fight off some some guys to create some space and kind of a silly point at that um, moment in time the medic wasn't near me they had to come from a little bit of a distance just because of we got separated so my guys didn't have a, a, a stretcher or litter looking around the, t- the compound they found a taliban stretcher and ended up med- medevacing me on a american helicopter so that was pretty funny right 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 Now stick around and we'll hear how this brave Special Forces veteran makes it out of Afghanistan all the way to the California coast when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now we'll return to the podcast Vet Story and the episode entitled Surf Surrender, where we heard how former Green Beret Caleb Brewer suffered traumatic injuries after stepping on an IED in Afghanistan. And we'll hear how, just like many of us this summer, he was healed by a trip to the beach. I ended up losing my left leg below the knee, my right leg above the knee. I had three or four blood clots, pulmonary emblems in, in my lungs. Went into liver, or excuse me, kidney failure, had to go on dialysis, 64 blood transfusions. Um, almost lost a couple fingers in my right hand, and then I got pretty severe infections and fungal and bacterial infections from the dirt. So recovery was a long, drawn-out process. And they sent me on surfing trips. They sent me on rock climbing, shooting, running, golfing. I mean, scuba diving trips. It was awesome, but it was not just to have fun. It was to rehabilitate you through life experiences. Now, as Caleb fought to keep his spirits up over a thousand miles away, Danny Nichols was lifting the spirits of vets through surfing. Amazing Surf Adventures. Um, It's a nonprofit organization. It was founded by Van Carraza back in 2008. He started Amazing Surf Adventures to help at-risk youth. The funny thing is, is Van and I used to uh, surf together um, you know, back in the day when uh, when I was coming up as a professional surfer and he was kind of at the tail end of his career as a professional surfer, and he was a wild individual. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just typical 80s, you know, uh, you can you can imagine the, uh, the rock and roll lifestyle of the 80s. 
he uh, he owned that. Oh and, wow! And uh, he he was an amazing surfer, and he charged hard, and uh, and and that carried over into every facet of his life. So uh, eight years ago, um, he started uh, Amazing Surf Adventures to help at-risk youth, you know, and having experienced his own struggles, you know, with addiction and stuff, he, uh, you know, he always turned to surfing as a means to stay positive. And so his mission was to help kids. Danny went on to tell me about a chance meeting that Van had with a wounded warrior from the Brook Army Medical Center in Texas. He wanted to learn to surf. Those lessons had a huge impact on Van, and he soon recruited all of his pro surfer buddies to join forces, create Operation Surf, and help wounded warriors get on the path to recovery. We're just guides, right? Like as surf instructors, we're just guides that bring a group to the beach. Um, the ocean is a very healing place. Um, you know, we have no control over the ocean. Um, so instantly, every single one of us that goes into the ocean has to surrender. I like to connect and get to know uh, my participant right off the bat. You know, a lot of times we just we talk just real lightly about stuff. And, uh, you know, when we get down to the water's edge, you know, I just share with them kind of my process and just say, hey, look, you know what? We're at the water's edge. You know, the earth is, you know, I think 73% water. Uh, in addition to that, the Earth is a speck of sand compared to what's out there in this universe. Uh, there is an energy going on right now that is keeping everything in sync. And, um, you know, I like to uh, take a moment and uh, give thanks, talk about some things that I'm grateful for internally, almost like I'm offering the ocean myself. Um, and then we go, we go slow, you know, depending on their physical challenge. And, uh, and so when we get out there and we get out to the back and we sit there, you know, we just say, hey, look, let's just hang out for a minute, enjoy the movement of the ocean, enjoy the sun. Oh, look, there's a dolphin, right? right? Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you just, just enjoy it and, um, you know, and give thanks because it, it, is a, it is a beautiful thing that we get to do to be in the ocean and be with Mother Nature. Um, and a lot of people will tell you, man, it feels like you're being baptized. Caleb Brewer seemed to agree. And, you know, they, they bring you to the airport and then from the airport to the place where we went, which was Santa Cruz, California, for that event, they bring the police department, the sheriff's department, the VFW, the fire department, the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the mayor. I mean, everybody is there escorting you from the from the airport to the beach with a huge ceremony everybody's saying thank you for your service everybody's giving you a hug everybody's smiling and i'll be honest with you i thought it was fake at first i was like there's no way in the world that there's this much happiness in one single spot it just kind of just baffled me i couldn't believe it but that stuff continued on and it was just a game changer because not only is there that happiness but there's also the water so kind of like you're talking about that mental aspect for somebody like me that has to worry about walking and the difficulty of walking, the water is completely freeing. And it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to describe like the peace that comes from just being out on the water. And even if you're not even on a board, you can just be just in the water in some, some fashion or other. And it helps just calm all these PTSD demons that just plague guys because they come back and, you know, just, it's hard to, to deal with it. But like right out of the, I mean, four months after getting hurt, they threw me in this 
and it was literally a 90 degree turn in my life. Now, another thing about surfing that I've always loved are the little moments, those few seconds of magic, like the rising shape of a swell as it rolls closer and closer to you. The sun reflecting off the water like diamonds. The tint of the sky at dawn or dusk. And within a few hours of Operation Surf, Caleb experienced it too. And then I'm sitting there this, thinking, this is crazy. Like, how am I going to get back out there? And all of a sudden, a little seal pops up next to us, you know, five, ten feet away and just, and just kind of just floats around for a second, goes back and pops up, you know, 20 feet away. And it's just like, wow, this is... This is awesome. There's the people here, yeah. nature, the environment, everything. How could you be how could you be depressed and mad here, you know? Surfing has an immediate impact on the spiritual side. But in every surfer's journal is that one side that is even bigger than spirituality. It's the very first time they were able to drop in and catch a wave. Oh, I'll never forget it. Um because you, you you keep trying to get into the wave and your instructor is there and you, you don't really realize it at first, but he's actually, or she is pushing you into the wave to get you there at the right moment. Cause it's all about timing, all about that timing, because you could have the, the perfect position, but if you're a little too late or a little too early, you're going to completely miss it. Or you're just going to get smashed by the white water. And there, there was a perfect moment where he, my instructor Riku just said, Hey, I'm going to give you this one to you on your own. And I was like, all right. So I look and he's like, all right, this one come in. So I position myself. I start paddling and he's giving me some verbal cues. Hey, paddle a little faster. Hold on, wait a little bit. And then he's just kind of lining me up. And then he just said, go. And so I just paddled as hard as I could. And I feel the like it was a good sized wave too. I mean, maybe it was only two feet, but it felt good to me. And I go on the top of it and I was like, no, this wave is going to pass right under me. I'm going to miss it. And all of a sudden I remembered what he said is lean forward a little bit for the weight shift. I leaned forward and I dropped, dropped down to this wave. And there's no feeling like that it was like if you imagine like a skateboarder on a half pipe like he just goes and just drops right down on this half pipe and I dropped right down to the face of that wave and rolled that sucker all the way in and I had seen another guy at that um the event do a, a handstand coming in and I was like all right all right I'm gonna do it and so I dropped right down on the wave waited to get a little stable and I popped up and did a little bit of a handstand for like two seconds and then just ate it after that but at that point, I was like, this is amazing. I got this. I'm understanding the flow of everything. It was so cool. <laughs> that is so great, brother. And I, I'm literally counting the days down till I go on my annual beach vacation because uh, the moments stay with me for the rest of the year. The serenity, the peace, the, the, the when the board picks up and I know Mother Nature's just got me. Retired Army Green Beret Caleb Brewer currently lives near Tucson, Arizona, but he makes the commitment to travel to surf whenever he can. Danny Nichols can be found on Huntington Beach, surfing, and at the water's edge, giving thanks. You know, you, you start to realize that, you know what, those are life lessons. Whether you're driving in a car, or you're at the DMV, or you're at the mall with your family, like, <laughs> you just gotta surrender and go with the flow. And Operation Surf can be found online at Amazing Surf Adventures. This has been the podcast Vet Story. Available at ConnectingVets.com and everywhere you find podcasts. And we'll be right back when CBS Ion Veterans returns.
Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, with the 4th of July celebrations likely being far different than they were in years past due to COVID-19, and of course, there's the people protesting racial inequality all across the United States, the personal finance website WalletHub recently released a report that may just help us all feel a little bit more united. And it's something that has a special appeal to the military veteran family. It's a report that examines 2020's most patriotic states in America, and here to help us learn more about who's covered in red, white, and blue is Jill Gonzalez from WalletHub.com. Jill, welcome. Thanks for having me. Good to have you, and uh, interesting time to be talking about patriotism. Of course, it's this time every summer. We, we like to look at that, and I'm awfully glad you put this together, because I do want to know. I do want to know about who still loves the red, white, and blue. And uh, before we get into the states that made the list and how they rank, let's talk a little bit about how you made the decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, like you said, it happens every year, and yet this is a very different year for everyone in the country, very different summer. Uh, So some states, you know, probably are not choosing to hold big Independence Day events regardless of anything. We wanted to see... What else is going on? We looked at both military engagement and civic engagement across the country, just in terms of of where the patriotism is. So military engagement, looking at vets, active duty, civic engagement, looking at voter turnout, volunteer rates, all that good stuff. Voting and volunteer rates I found kind of interesting. Voting, of course, our duty, and everybody, if you want to see a difference, voting is is really the American way and has been since the 1700s. We often fail to do that as robustly as we should. And uh, the volunteering, I noticed AmeriCorps volunteers per capita were, were, were factored into this. And that's a really cool thing. Tell me a little bit about what AmeriCorps is. Absolutely. So we looked at a few different things here. We looked at just simply the volunteer rate, volunteer hours, but also specifically at AmeriCorps volunteers and Peace Corps volunteers. Uh, So, you know, both of these things, kind of you're in for a a set amount of time, a couple years usually, and then you can, you know, continue on to your studies, uh, essentially. But it's almost like the civic uh, piece of the military. You know, you're you're oftentimes teaching uh, instead of, you know, going out and serving the way you would in the military. You're usually teaching... uh, in underserved areas of the country. So that's obviously something we need just as much. Let's take a look at how they uh, shake out here with uh, all of that world into the uh, data processor there. And we came out with the most patriotic states. What do you got? Well, number one is New Hampshire, which, you know, for a state whose motto is live free or die, I think makes perfect sense. (laughs) And then we get into, I would say, more Military-heavy states, Wyoming ranked number two, Idaho ranked number three, Alaska ranked number four. And then back, you know, closer to the District of Columbia is Maryland at number five. Well, I'm glad as a Maryland resident myself to know that I am drenched in red, white, and blue. Um, Talk to me, kind of go backwards from, say, 50 down. And let me see kind of who didn't fare so well, because it might be sort of surprising. and, and, And then we'll kind of talk about maybe why that is. Yeah, I am surprised by one, so we'll see if we are surprised by the same one. So number 50 was New Jersey, uh, 49 New York, 48 California, 47 Texas, 
and 46 West Virginia. Those were the bottom five. Wow, and I guarantee we're both surprised by the same one. The great state of Texas, where I personally know dozens of veterans. I mean, uh, you know, from the Intrepid Center and the health care that they receive at some of the facilities in Texas to, uh, you know, just the good old boys that like to go hunting outside Houston or, you know, love the good life that uh, Texas provides. What do you suppose, like, like why statistically it showed up there, even though they love vets? Yeah, so Texas is interesting. It did really well when it comes to military, as you were saying, pretty much top 10 across all of those categories from having a pretty high average number of military enlistees, a high number of vets per capita. But when it comes to the civic side, I mean, Texas, year after year, or at least election year after election year, uh, always some of the lowest voter turnout in the country. And it's interesting because we see the same type of thing in a California or in a New Jersey or in a New York. You know, you are a resident of the state and you think, well, we're going blue no matter what. We're in Texas. We're going red no matter what. Why does my vote count? And because of that, we see very low voter turnout. Uh, so that is a problem in Texas as well. as, uh, And then a lot of the other things here, too, Unfortunately, low volunteer rates and things like that. Even when it comes to jury participation, we see lower rates in Texas. So that civic engagement really needs to improve for its overall rankings here to to see a bump. All right. Maybe a homework assignment, my good friends down in Texas. uh, You got to vote, okay? November's a few months away. Let's get ready. Let's make some plans to take the day off and uh, make your vote count. Uh, I can say... You know, as a state, I just love Texas, though, because they're so staunchly independent that while they may not volunteer in robust amounts uh, in certain organized ways, uh, boy, if something happens in your neighborhood, a tree falls down or there's a weather-related event, uh, you know, Texans are the first ones to show up on your front lawn with a chainsaw wondering how they can help. So uh, very, very fascinating. A couple other fascinating things about this. Um, Which states were more patriotic, red or blue? Red states were more patriotic than blue states. Not by much, but, you know, there, there's a difference here. So their average, obviously, number one is the best. So their average rank was 23, whereas blue states' average rank was 28. All right. Um, now, what can we learn at WalletHub.com? Not only do you put together these incredible studies and put together all this stuff, but uh, I was interested when I was looking at your website the other day um, to learn about, like, credit score improvement and different kinds of loans. Share with me what goes on there. Yeah, absolutely. So this is one of the more fun studies we do, uh, you know, especially in a year like this, to remember why we love being patriots, uh, no matter how you want to express that. Uh, But the other thing going on right now is obviously still a pandemic, uh, and we've seen a lot of people spark interest in, you know, wanting to move, wanting to relocate. Maybe they never have to go into the office again. They want to be closer to family. And they want to, you know, relocate for other reasons, maybe more outdoor space. A lot of the things that we've been doing now is putting together reports, you know, on where are good places to move, if you are moving, you know, the mortgage process, loans, getting your credit score up so that you can get a better mortgage rate, you know, all of these different things in your financial house that people are, are concerned about now more than ever. So that's what we've really been trying to do as well to help people out in terms of just living their best life financially, especially if they're relocating. 
thank you for all the fun facts you put together for these studies that we talk about and uh, for all the services you provide. You, again, can find that at wallethub.com. Always good to talk to you. Jill Gonzalez, thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Phil. Now, if you missed part of the show or you just want to hear something again, you can check it out at ConnectingVets.com each and every week. Just check out the audio section and look for the CBS Eye on Veterans page. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and I'll be back again next week with more stories of patriotism and the patriots that make it happen right here on CBS Eye on Veterans. Eye on Veterans Weekend has been presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. Choose from 90-plus programs and specializations to accelerate your military or civilian career and find out how our dedicated military and veteran advisors can help you navigate your benefits to save you time and money. University of Maryland Global Campus. Find out how we're made for you. Visit umgc.edu. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick... From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.